There have been plenty of off-season additions for the Baltimore Ravens in 2023, but we talk about why Todd Munkin has been the best one. All that and more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. We're here, as always, on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us today on this Monday, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. In today's episode of Locked On Ravens, it's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We are a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast, or Ravens news, analysis, updates. We're here for you Monday through Friday, so tell a friend, tell a family member. And if you're an everydayer here and you listen every day to the show, thank you so much for your support. If it's your first time in here, welcome into the show. And if you're somewhere in the middle, thank you for your support and listening, wherever you're listening or watching as well. Here today, we have a lot to talk about, though, with this Ravens team. Again, the players on vacation here. Well, not totally a vacation. They're still hard at work, but training camp doesn't start for a couple more weeks here. So a lot of time to reflect and rest a little bit. But here on Locked on Ravens, the grind never stops. There's no resting here as we're five days a week. So we're going to be talking today about the Ravens offseason additions and why Todd Munkin has been the best offseason addition for the Ravens. And in my opinion, it's not all that close. It is kind of close, but not all that close. We'll talk about him in the first segment. Then in the second part of the show, there's been a lot made about the Ravens and all the first round wide receivers they have on their roster. We're, We're going to talk about that a little bit, how important it is, I guess, to have that pedigree in terms of that position on the roster, especially wide receiver. We'll talk about that. Then finally, move over to Patrick Ricard, who's a really interesting player to talk about, at least in this Todd Munkin offense. We'll talk about what his role could be, if there is a role for him in this offense, and a lot more. So let's first start off here with Todd Munkin. And I guess that, you know, it can be a bold claim, a bold statement to say, oh, it's not really close. Todd Munkin was the best addition of this Ravens team in the offseason. But in my opinion, I, I really do believe it, because I think the only other player or coach or whatnot that comes close to Todd Munkin as an acquisition this offseason is maybe Odell Beckham Jr. You're getting that star power at the position. We'll talk more about him in the second part of the show. But to me, Munkin was just, he he was needed. When we go back a couple of months and we look at what that offensive coordinator searched for us, some of the names, right? It was Munkin obviously in there, but Dave Canales. I know Eric Bieniemy we talked about a lot. Just felt like when looking back on that in hindsight, Todd Munkin really was the guy that we should have all been zeroed in on. It seems like the Ravens were, but for multiple different reasons. Munkin is a breath of fresh air because he knows how to utilize his personnel, something we've talked about for a while here. And they really could build this team, build this offense around Lamar Jackson in a way that I just don't think they were going to be able to do with the way Greg Roman had done things over the past couple of seasons. And, you know, we, we can talk about upgrades too, where the upgrade factor from some of the wide receivers they had on their roster to Odo Beckham Jr. Sure, you, you upgrade there. Just even you could talk about Zay Flowers in that conversation as well. Even Nelson Aguilar, if you want to get a little crazy. But to me, the upgrade from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin was such a needed one. And look, 
we all know Greg Roman did some good things for the organization. It wasn't all just, you know, thunderstorms and terrible from Greg Roman, but the offense was not growing enough under Greg Roman's direction. And you just, you can't get complacent in the NFL. And it felt like Greg Roman should have been fired or let go probably, probably last year, but what's done is done. But for Munkin, we're probably not going to see, speaking of Patrick Ricard's role, which we'll get into, we're not going to see Patrick Ricard probably running routes out of the slot, hopefully ever again. But that's no disrespect to him. It's just Patrick Ricard, I don't think, is meant for that role. I think you can use him in better ways than that to fully maximize how good of a player Ricard is. I think Ricard's a really, really good player. But for Munkin in particular, one of the things that sticks out to me is the NFL experience. And this is something I talked about back when the Ravens hired him and when they were going through the interview experience with him. Munkin has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for four years across two teams, three in Tampa, one in Cleveland, 2016 to 2018 in Tampa under Dirk Cutter. And then once Cutter got fired, the whole staff got shuffled, and that was the end of Todd Munkin. Now, it's interesting because Todd Munkin has success both running and passing the football in the NFL, and obviously Georgia in his college experience is a whole nother conversation. But just quickly going through his stats NFL-wise, 2016, his first year as the offense coordinator in Tampa, ended up having a meh year. He was 18th in passing. His offense was 18th in net yards per attempt and 29th in rush yards per attempt, and again, For those who don't know how I measure offensive success is not by total yards. I do it by yards per attempt because you can run the ball a thousand times and have the number one offense in the league. But if you only get 3.3 yards per attempt on those carries, it's not very good output. So 18th in passing, 29th in rushing for Todd Munkin in 2016. 2017, you see improvement in the pass game. He was 10th in net yards per attempt, 27th in yards per attempt on the ground. So the rushing offense still not there. 2018, he has the second best passing offense in the league in terms of net yards per attempt, but the 31st best rushing offense. And Tampa's rush offense honestly hasn't been great for a while. I mean, 2019, they had the 28th, and that was under Byron Leftwich. 2020, it was 25th, also under Byron Leftwich. 2021, it got it got to 15th. But regardless, those were Todd Munkin's stats from 2016 to 2018. Then moving to 2019, where he was the offensive coordinator in Cleveland, he flipped it around, right? The personnel in Tampa with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, et cetera, it was more pass heavy. And I think the stats reflected that the players were better on the, that side of the ball on offense or that aspect of the offense. So that was better rushing wise in Cleveland. It was Nick Chubb and all those guys there. Not that he didn't have talent. Odell was on that team. Jarvis Landry, two 1000 yard receivers. But with the offense that Cleveland ran, he adapted to that. And instead of having bottom 10, bottom five rush offenses like he did in Tampa, the next year, that rushing offense was fourth in Cleveland in 2019, 17th in passing. But again, Todd Munkin can adapt to the personnel that he has. And that to me is very valuable. And that adaptability is huge. Also, the fact that we've already seen the trust between Munkin and Jackson improve so much compared to, I think, what we saw at the tail end of Roman's tenure is also very big. I think when you talk about, you know, you you can talk about on the field all you want, but off the field, you want your your players and your coaches to have a good relationship. I think John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson do. We've seen that over the course of many years with them paired up. But with Roman, it always seems like there was just, I, I can never put my finger on it, but it just felt like there was something off. And with Munkin, we've already seen him say himself, Lamar said it, John Harbaugh has said it. He's handing the keys over to Lamar. Lamar seems really excited about that. The fact that he can now check in, check out, 
figure out who's coming off the edge. Does, does he need to audible out of this? Does he need to send a guy in motion? Lamar should have had that ability for years now. For years, he should have had something like that. But for some reason, he just he just didn't under Greg Roman. Todd Munkin wants this to be Lamar Jackson's offense. And, and not just Lamar's offense, right? It, it's, a, it's a partnership between Munkin and Jackson and obviously Harbaugh and the rest of the offensive unit. But to have that trust already established so early on and for Lamar to say, you know, he loves the offense, you know, loves the fieriness of Munkin, the attention to detail, all of that is so important. And some of the stuff that sometimes goes under the radar and unnoticed and sometimes even underappreciated. Again, again, we can talk about Odell and how good he could be on the field. We could talk about Zay Flowers as well. But I think both on and off the field, look, Tom Munkin's not suiting up there and going out there with Lamar to play the game. But in my opinion, his value to me comes in the change that's going to come with the offense in terms of them throwing the football a lot more this year. We've seen the, the quotes from Lamar about running the football and saying, oh, it can only, only take you so far. It seems like Munkin and Lamar share philosophies. Harbaugh and Munkin share philosophies. To me, you can talk about acquisitions as, oh, well, only, only the players, only the guys on the field. But to me, at least, I feel like Todd Munkin has been the Ravens' best addition this offseason. Look, if they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, if they trade for Jair Alexander, if they trade for Stephon Day, if there's some crazy move, we, we can revisit the conversation, right? And we can always revisit it when we want to. But it's always interesting to see how sometimes, sometimes coaches and their acquisitions for teams go under the radar. It's like, oh, yeah, that's cool, but it's not going to change much because they're not suiting up on the field. Coaching staffs across any sport, coaching changes, coaching hires, coaching firings have a huge impact on teams. I think that Todd Munkin, has, you know, it's still early. You know, it could all backfire, and who knows? We haven't seen it on the field yet. We can't just oh, we'll say Todd Monk is the Ravens' savior, and we haven't seen a snap of his offense. But to me, I think the early returns are so very positive to me, at least, that I can say that Odell can have a great year, and I think he will have a great year. Zay Flowers can have a great year, but to me, I think Todd Munkin has been the Ravens' best and most impactful acquisition so far this offseason, and without a, without a big move, I think it would stay that way, and I'm excited to see what his offense is. But coming up, we'll continue talking offense. We'll talk about the five first-round wide receivers on the Ravens roster that could potentially make the final cut. So be sure to stay tuned. Plan to talk about Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. is up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. And those Orioles, crazy walk-off wins. Aaron Hicks continuing to be on fire. This Orioles team is special. And and if you want to bet at the Rushman props, Aaron Hicks been on fire. Jordan Westberg coming up. If you want to bet on some props for him or just Orioles in general, be sure to do it over at FanDuel Sportsbook. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks user permission. We're back here, Locked On Ravens Monday edition. Kevin Ostriker still here with you, getting into our second part of the show. And we talked offense with Todd Munkin in the first segment, but let's continue that trend and talk wide receivers. There's been a lot made about the Ravens wide receivers, obviously with the additions they've made this offseason, I think it's one of the best, if not the best rooms that they have ever had at the position with the talent and everything involved. But there's been a lot made about the the pedigree of these guys in terms of their draft status. The Ravens right now have five first rounders on their roster and five first rounders could make the team this year. That would be 
essentially a record having five first-round guys on their roster. They'd be the first team in league history to have five first-round picks at wide receiver catch a pass in the regular season. I, you know, Jamison Ensley put out an article about, about the whole situation, how they, the group, the wide receiver group can make history. 2005 Detroit Lions, Jamison Ensley says, are the only team to have four different first-round wide receivers do so, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. Now, I'm not necessarily one that puts too much stock into – oh, well, they're a former first-round pick, and that's all that I care about. Like, I care more about NFL production. If the, if the guy is undrafted and he has more production and has been a better NFL player and you can get a guy like that and it's just better it's better fit, I don't necessarily care so much about, oh, he's, he was a first-round wide receiver. Now, you know, with first-round wideouts, there's a reason they were taken in the first round, some better than others. Sometimes teams just reach. Other times there was a real reason. It all depends. A guy could be taken in the first round and have a great career or flop. A guy could be taken in the seventh round and have a great career or flop. Now, for a guy like Treadwell, you're, you're kind of banking on the athletic gifts. You know, hopefully he can, he can turn his career around. But the five guys, just to, to briefly run down who they are, it's Odo, who I talked about, 12th pick in 2014 by the Giants. Rashad Bateman, who was the 27th pick in 2021 by the Ravens, Zay Flowers, who was the 22nd pick in 2023 by the Ravens, Nelson Aguilar, the 20th pick in 2015 by Philadelphia, and Laquan Treadwell, 23rd pick in 2016 by Minnesota. So look, to me, I think this is a really intriguing storyline. Again, not one that I think makes or breaks the room or anything like that. Again, you, you could take a first round wide receiver like the Ravens did with Rashad Perriman in 2015, and that did not work out well for him. Or you could take a guy like Stephon Diggs in the fifth round of that 2015 draft, and it was it was great for you. But to me, the pedigree is not it's not everything. But I think that doesn't mean that they can't be good players. I mean, we know Odell's been a star in this league and has a potential to get back there. Rashad Bateman has number one potential. Zay Flowers has number one potential. Nelson Aguilar has had his moments. I think he's more of a role player at this point and kind of has been. He struggled with drops, and Laquan Treadwell hasn't really made it. But to me. It's so interesting because those first three, we know those are going to be the top three guys and Beckham, Bateman, and Flowers. But I think Treadwell's best path to making the roster is as that sixth wide receiver. And to me, I think that, you know, Baltimore has an opportunity to add the, a big-bodied guy because Beckham, Bateman, and Flowers are not big-bodied players. They're not They're not big players, not big targets. But Laquan Treadwell is. He, he has... He's intriguing in terms of his size at 6'2". He's 215 pounds, has some speed to him, but the production has not been there for him. But the Ravens apparently love how fast he picked up the playbook, picked up the offense, and how much he translated that over to the practices at minicamp when he's been with the team so far. So in my opinion, the Ravens right now are in a great position wide receiver-wise because in my opinion, the top five positions are locked in Beckham, Bateman, Duvernay, Flowers, and Aguilar. The sixth spot is where the Ravens could potentially make the history, where if Treadwell gets in because of his size, then they have those five first-round picks. Again, doesn't mean to me it doesn't mean a lot that they were a first-round pick. You just got to go out there and produce at the NFL level. But if you want a big guy like a Treadwell, Dante Demas is an undrafted guy out of Maryland. He is a big-bodied player. But do you want a special teams guy like a Tylen Wallace? Do you want to, you know, take another chance on a James Prochet? There are options for them this year. And to me, they just, they didn't necessarily have that. And they haven't had that over the past, however, however far you want to go back. Baltimore admittedly did not do the right thing when looking back on it by trusting their young guys in 2022. 
I understand where they were coming from, but all offseason, I said they needed a veteran. You know, if they lost Rashad Bateman, the room was pretty much wraps at that point, and they lost both Bateman and Duvernay. The Ravens have done a much better job. I give credit to Eric Acosta every time I say this. Eric Acosta did a much better job. The team did a much better job at building out that room this offseason. Veteran and Odell. He's a big player that has big-time personality that can come in and really make an impact for him coming off that injury he suffered in that 2021 Super Bowl after the 2021 season in the Super Bowl with the Rams. Zay Flowers, a young guy. You're bringing back Rashad Bateman. You're bringing back Devin DuVernay. Aguilar is a guy, too. It's much better than trusting the unprovenness of a James Prochet and, and Tylen Wallace to be your 3-4, essentially, in that offense. But first-round pick doesn't have a, a ton of merit to me if you're not producing. You, you can be the number one overall pick in the draft, and if you're not producing at the NFL level – it's not helping anybody. It's not helping you. It's not helping your team. It's not helping the fans. It's not helping anybody if you're not producing at the level. So five first round picks, a wide receiver, yeah, it'd be a cool little storyline there. But if Laquan Treadwell is not the not the pick, is not the right fit for that six wide receiver spot, to me, I think they keep six guys there. I've always been a six wide receiver on the roster type of guy. It makes the most sense for me to say that. But at the end of the day, if Demas is a better fit, if Wallace is a better fit, you take that guy because he's a better fit, not because of Treadwell's first round pick status. And the Ravens, I don't, you know, I don't think the Ravens really care that much about first round status either. It might have a little bit to do with it because people are saying, well, why are they signing all these first round picks? Why are they taking all these first round picks? Maybe there's a small inkling of like, oh, you know, this guy was proven in college, but you, you can't get hung up on that, especially with a guy like the Quan Treadwell, whose last college season was 2015, 2016, which was essentially all those years ago. So, to me, I think that Baltimore has a plan at their position. I'm not necessarily so sure it was we're going to sign every first-round pick we can, <laughs> former first-round pick we can, and see how it plays out. But it is a little intriguing storyline about how they've kind of built the room out with veteran first-round picks or veteran former first-round picks, guys who have been a first-round pick over the last couple of seasons. If they have five first-round picks out of six guys, great. If they don't, great. Just give me guys who can produce. <laughs> if, if I'm an NFL team, just I think all NFL teams have this mindset, too. It's obviously give me the guy who's going to produce and not the guy who has the former first-round pick status. But we'll see. I, Beckham's making it. Bateman's making it. Flowers is making it. Aguilar and Duvernay are pretty much all about making it. So Treadwell's the guy to be the maybe the last spot in there. Duvernay's obviously would be the only guy who wouldn't be a first-round pick out of those six. But my prediction is still Dante Dimas for number six. We'll see what happens there with that group. Coming up, though, we'll talk about Patrick Ricard a little bit, what his role could be and if there is a role for him in this offense. We should have stayed tuned. Plenty to dive into on the show. We return here, our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with you again. Thank you so much for being here with us today on the show, making us your first listen each and every day. If you're an everyday or again, thank you. If it's your first time in to the show, thank you. And if you're somewhere in between, of course, thank you as well. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell anybody you know about the show who's a Ravens fan. Once day the Ravens content, Monday through Friday, we have them covered, much like we have you covered, of course. But let's talk about Patrick Ricard a little bit. This is a very offense-centric show, offensive-centric show, talking about Todd Monk and receivers and now Patrick Ricard. Ricard is someone to me... I talked about it in the first segment, really good player. Probably shouldn't have been playing out of the slot last year as much as he did in the Greg Roman, but that is the past, at least hopefully that is the past form. Ricard is so interesting though, because everybody's been wondering myself included, just what is his role going to be? Because 
we knew that in a Greg Roman offense and a run heavy offense, he has a very prominent role. He can line up in line, line up in the backfield. You can put him in a couple of different other areas. He's a very versatile player. He's great as a blocker, very physical, gets out into space very well and can, can pick up some yards for you if you need coming out of the backfield or taking a fullback dive up the middle. He's shown that ever, ever since coming in out of Maine back when, you know, it's crazy to think about all, all back all the, all the years when he was a two-way player for him, played fullback and defensive line for him. And has obviously transitioned to fullback and has become one of the better fullbacks in the NFL. And, and the position is essentially dying out, but there are still some teams that use it. Now, there's not no role for Patrick Ricard on this team moving forward. There's not. I, th- I think he's too good of a player to just say, oh, we're getting rid of him. Now, if they need to save cap space and look, if they really feel like Ben Mason is the guy, we we heard some very good rumblings about Ben Mason from minicamp and from OTAs about what he was doing on the football field. So if the Ravens need some cap savings, maybe they say, oh, Ricard is a guy we could look at for some relief there. But again, I think Ricard just fits what they still want to do. Maybe not as well anymore because it's not a full run heavy offense and the pass offense is not going to go through the tight ends anymore. But it's not like heavy looks are going to go away. It's not like they're not going to run the football at all. You can still use him in situations where if you want to pump fake a defense and make them bring out their head. Remember back in 2019 when they would bring out their heavy personnel with Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle, and that would force teams automatically to bring out their heavy personnel because their corners cannot hang with tight ends in the run game. Safeties could not hang with run game or with tight ends in the run game for the most part sometimes. So teams would have to bring out heavy personnel and the play action game works so well off of those heavy sets. Now, I'm not saying Ricard is as dynamic as a Mark Andrews or a Hayden Hurst or a Nick Boyle, but you can still have some aspect like that with the Ricard in your offense. But I don't think we're going to see as much of him on the field this year. Todd Munkin has said there's a role for him. The Ravens have kind of identified that there will be a role, but I don't think it's going to be as prominent. And that, that's the big question this year is how much is he going to be on the field compared to how much he's been on the field over the last couple of years for Baltimore. I mean, my answer, and I feel like it's a pretty obvious one, is that he's not going to be on the field as much. And I don't think it's a product of, oh, he's just a bad player. I don't think he is. It's just the offense isn't as much of a fit for his skill set anymore. Now, again, what I talked about with Todd Munkin is that he uses his guys. He finds ways to use his guys. So he's not going to force Patrick Ricard on the field when he doesn't need to be out there, right? He's not going to do that. He's going to make sure that the guys who need to be out there in certain situations are out there. But there are situations where you use Patrick Ricard or just use a fullback, whether that whether that is Ricard or Ben Mason. But they're not going to run the ball. Baltimore's not going to run the ball 40 times a game, 30 times a game, at least not in most situations. Maybe they do here and there. But we're going to see this pass offense go through the wide receivers, Odell and Bateman and Beckham, as we, we've talked about, so if you're doing three wide receiver sets or four wide receiver sets, you're probably not putting Pastor Ricard out in those situations. If you want to go super, super heavy, you know, is, is it goal line situations, third and one situations? Is, is that only where Pastor Ricard plays? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I don't think that's the only place Pastor Ricard can play, but it's just not going to be as prominent or as prevalent for Ricard to get on the field. And to me, if you do want that cost-effective Ben Mason option, maybe you do go that route. I, I don't know if I – I don't think I would. I, I think I'd I'd have the one year of a card here, see how it goes. But, again, Mason is a player that 
does fill that Ricard role. And, and if Todd Munkin feels like Mason is a little more versatile as a receiver and, and can do those things a little better, maybe they decide to go that route. And that's, that's the key question for me too, where it's like, is Patrick Ricard going to be a surprise cat casualty or, or maybe not even a surprise. Maybe some people are expecting that to me. I think there is, a, if I had to put a percentage 85, I think I'll go 85% chance Patrick Ricard is on the roster for the Ravens on opening night, opening day in 2023. That's, I think, where I am. Yeah, I'll say 85% chance he's on the roster opening day and 15% chance he's not. And I could look, I could see it. I could see the Ravens moving on from him at the end of training camp, at the end of the preseason, and just saying, you know, we need the cap space here. We, th- we think Ben Mason might be the better receiving option out of the backfield. But I don't think you want to just lose everything you've built in the run game. The Ravens have said as much where they're not going to just lose the run game. They're not going to lose every single aspect of that Greg Roman offense. Sean Harbaugh literally said it in a press conference after the year, after Greg Roman was let go, where it was that they still want to utilize the concepts from Greg Roman, both in the run game and in the pass game. So it's not like all of a sudden the run game is phased out and they're going to run the ball 10 times a game or 15 times a game. And that's it. Maybe there'll be some games like that. Maybe there'll be 15 carries in a game and the Ravens will go pass heavy to try to really work a team on defense. But it is a new era for the Ravens. <laughs> it's kind of coincidental. It is a new era, though, for the Ravens. And I think that some players fit better than others in, in the new era. I think Pastor Ricard's a very interesting fit. I don't think it's the necessarily the best one, but it's not one where he's not utilized at all or not needed at all. There's still a role for Ricard. Not as big to me, but at the end of the day, talented players are good for your football team. Ricard is a very talented player. We're just, I don't think we're not going to see him on the field as much as we have in the past. And that's okay. It's okay. But the Ravens do have a guy waiting in the wings and Ben Mason. I'm really curious to see if Ricard, you know, gets a ton of playing time in the preseason. If the Ravens want to really see and really want to figure out what they have in both Mason and Ricard. If, if they like what they see out of Ben Mason, look, teams, teams, aren't utilizing fullbacks enough in this league now where you don't necessarily run a huge, huge risk of losing Ben Mason. There's still a risk. There is. I mean, we literally saw it when Mason signed with the Patriots practice squad over Baltimore's and John Harbaugh was furious over that decision as we saw in that press conference a couple of years ago. But to me, I think that you're, you're not risking as much if you cut a Ben Mason at the end of the preseason and then get them back on the practice squad because there, there just aren't enough teams using fullbacks to say, oh yeah, every single team is going to want a Ben Mason. I think Ben Mason gives you more versatility and he is a more, a more versatile player where you can line him up in line or as a fullback or play him as a, as a pass catching guy for you as a passer Ricard's is more of a, a blocker, not saying he's just a blocker because he's not, but he, both guys have versatility just in different ways, I would say. So if the Ravens feel like one package of versatility is better for their team, that's the route they should go. And I don't think they should be hung up on, oh, well, Patrick Ricard and his past production. If it's not a fit, it's not a fit. And that's just what it has to be. But to me, I still think there's a role for Patrick Ricard. But we'll see how the Ravens feel about it. And if they feel like Ben Mason or Patrick Ricard is a better fit. And we'll talk about this whole positional battle. I think I think it is one, honestly, throughout the course of the rest of the offseason as the Ravens gear up for week one of the 2023 season. It's creeping up on us. It really is. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content here. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I'll see you back here tomorrow on Locked On Ravens.